and thank you for listening to Literacy Matters. I'm your host, Cheryl Lundy Swift. Today I'm here with Leslie Zororia, Project Director for Reading Language Arts at Los Angeles County of Education. Leslie, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here to talk to you today. Awesome. You have so much to share. It's been so great getting to know you. I know you're super excited um, to talk about, you know, all things reading. So, you know, we're thinking about, again, not just the school building administrator, but also thinking about that district personnel, which I think is really key as well. Why should we start there? Because we talked (laughs) about starting with teachers, right? But we decided to go this route. Why are we starting with administrators in this series when we think about the science of reading? It's a really important question. And I think the answer to that is if you don't have systems in place to support teachers, you can't maintain an effective reading program. It doesn't last. It doesn't sustain. And we've seen that over and over. And we have in the past sort of thrown curricula at teachers and said, here, teach this, you know, and and made it their problem. And it's really not a teacher's problem. This is a bigger issue than just having, you know, teachers trained. This is a systemic problem. So it requires monitoring, training, assessment, and coaching. And all of those pieces have to be really solid and effective. We can't just rely that teachers are gonna get this done for us. The whole system needs to understand the shift that we're making, especially here in California and and probably across the the United States as well, from balance to structured literacy and what that really means. Teacher training, of course, is pivotal. It's important, but it's only one piece of it. And when we start there and only focus on that, that's a mistake because beginning with administrators allows the leader, you know, the school site leader at the helm or the district even, you know, if we take it a step further to the district to really develop a deeper understanding what needs to be in place to make a tier one literacy program function for every kid. We have so many kids that are in tier two and tier three intervention, and that is pointing directly to a tier one problem. And when it's a tier one problem, especially across an entire district, that tells you that the system is, there's a problem with the system, right? Yeah. So. We've seen stat years in California, years of stagnant reading scores, and even across the nation. I mean, Emily Hanford's work has has really pointed that out to us. It's been 30, 40 yeah. years. Yeah. And we've sort of left it up to teachers to figure it out when we really need to be looking at the entire system. It's not teacher's fault that kids are not all kids are reading. It's not because they don't care or they aren't passionate or they don't work like dogs to try to make it happen. It's because the system has not addressed the problem effectively. Sure. So when you think about, I mean, I, I, I think that's really awesome, um, you know, information. But, you know, when you think about a school district, for example, who is looking at their scores and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. see that, again, they've had these, you know, they're, they're really stagnant. They're yeah. not making any gains. In fact, maybe even due to COVID, they're lower than they were before. Oh, COVID. yeah. It's um, terrible. It's way worse. Mm-hmm. What can a superintendent, what can an assistant superintendent uh, do to to make some change. Yeah. Well, we always say do something, (laughs) do something because, and and we're trying to light the fire. There doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency in the last 30 years. I mean, we know our scores have been stagnant and yet there has not been a fire around it. No one sounded the fire alarm. We've all, first of all, we've all just sort of went, eh, you know, it's just how it is. And, 
you know, we still get awards for different things at school sites. And even though our scores are not necessarily showing that all our kids are coming out proficient from, from the work that we're doing. So first of all, I think we need to sound the alarm. We need to create some urgency. And every school and district needs to have a shared language to talk about reading. We need to all understand, meaning the superintendent, the district leaders, the principals, they need to have an understanding about the science of reading research. So because it clarifies for us how a student actually learns to read, what are the processes going on in the human brain? And it's the same for all kids. We all learn to read in the same pathway in the brain. And so having that and making sure that every single layer of staff gets training in that research is really key. And that includes everybody, the administrator, the teachers, the paraprofessionals, and anybody else who works with kids in the classroom regularly so that we can have this common language to talk about it and to really dig deeply into what does it mean to teach a child to read. And previous to this, the work I've been doing in the last few years, I don't know that I could have answered that honestly. Sure. What does it mean? And, and I'm I'm a leader. <laughs> I'm a leader, and I don't know that honestly. Before I learned all about the science of reading, that I could have, I could have taken a non-reader and taught them to read. Sure. Now I can do that. I could teach someone to read easily. I did not actually know the ins and outs of how the brain how you start with sounds, not letters. And I think a lot of teachers don't know that. A lot of administrators don't know that. And this information is so important. Yeah. So that's the first thing, is really creating that shared language. The second thing is assessments. Regular assessment and data analysis is so crucial yeah. for both placement in programs that we're teaching and for small group instruction. Small group instruction is really where the rubber hits the road with targeted, um skill filling skill gaps in students because you know students have all different needs this one's really good in phonemic awareness and this one's not so good in the alphabetic code and so they need they're having trouble with letters and this one can recognize the letters and that one can't hear the sounds and so you need to be able to diagnose you need to have a really good universal screener first of all so that the universal will flag and that's really all universal is meant to do it's meant to go hey Take a look over here. That's it. It's not saying, oh, your kid has dyslexia or, you know, whatever. It's really just to say this one might have a problem. Take a closer look. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor, mm -hmm. you know, you do a complete blood panel and then they see what flags come up and then they do further testing. It's the exact same thing in reading instruction. So after you've done the universal, then you do the diagnostic and you look at what are the specific skill gaps that a kid has and how can we address those? And the most efficient way to do that is by grouping kids who have similar needs and then really doing a ton of practice around those skills so that we shore those skills up, especially with those K2 early foundational word recognition skills. Yeah. So that's the second thing. So it's, you know, train everybody and then it's really good assessment um, policies and procedures in place. The third thing is coaching. Teachers need help. They need, <laughs> they need another person to be eyes and ears in the classroom to help them make this shift from balance to structured literacy. Our coaches, we have a pilot project we're doing here in, in LA County. We won a $5 million grant from the state. It's actually a federal grant. Yeah, the CLSC Conference of Literacy State Development Grant. And it's all based on the reading training program we're doing, uh, shifting from balance to, to structured literacy. And I will tell you that the coaches have been absolutely 
crucial to getting this work done with our pilot schools because they are in there in the trenches seeing what the teachers see addressing the needs really talking through with teachers what's the difference between how we would do it this way and how the, the way we're doing it now and how do you actually do that what strategies can you use so coaching is so so important the next piece i would say is is PLC time, professional learning community time, grade level team meetings, where teachers can meet and talk about how it's going. So, you know, we can't, we, we never have enough time in, in school anyway, right? Time, I always say time is the enemy of public education because we just, there's not enough hours in the day. And having either late start, early release, or sometime during the week when grade level teams can get together and can look at their data, talk about their data. How is it going? Look at the curriculum, all the supplementals they're using. How is that going? What's working? What's not working? And be able to learn from and with each other and, and support each other through this transition. That's been another piece that's been really pivotal for our pilot schools is they have grade level team meetings each week and they really hash through some of this. And sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes, yeah. you know, this work is messy. It's not easy. You know, I don't ever want to say that this is this is an easy shift. It's not. It takes three to five years. We're in the 18 month mark with our pilot schools of making this shift in a concerted effort and doing all of this systemic work. And we're doing well. We're making progress, but it's not over. We got a lot of work to do still. So, sure. so all these pieces really, um, really kind of fit together in the puzzle of how you create this this strong tier one literacy program. And I would say the last thing that you really have to have is monitoring. This is where the admin and the coaches and the teachers come in to do walkthroughs to see how is it going. And it's not meant, I know the walkthroughs can be scary, can be one of those things that's off-putting to teachers. Like, ah, people are coming in, but that's not what it's about. We've tried to really make it, where are the needs? You know, who's really nailing it in the, in the phonemic awareness routines and how can we leverage their expertise to help other teachers uh, who may be struggling in that area and and what do we what else do we it's where we're finding in our own program how we can do better to meet the need of every single student you know sure. mtss says all means all but we've not ever really got at that all means all right and so that's what we're really trying to do through this systems approach, not just, you know, train some teachers. It's right. really so much more complex than all of that. Time that we don't all have <laughs> um, and what to use during that time. Yeah. Obviously, that's something that's, that, that administrators are facing, right? Administrators yes. are facing this. How do I choose a program to effectively teach reading? and Let's say I already purchased that program. Yeah. No more money in my budget. Uh, one, what can I do about that? Right. Yeah. So I think so. It's a two-tiered question. Number one, okay. how do they know that they're that, that one they are either purchasing an effective reading program for their core or um that they know that is it is an effective reading program for their core that they currently have? Yeah, this is a big, you know, everybody wants the $64,000 silver bullet, uh, uh, you know, magic curricula. So the, the first thing is there is no magic curriculum that's going to be the be all end all for every kid. And in California, we have a process where, you know, we do textbook adoptions every so many years, and that's been postponed for us for ELA. So we're not going to have a new reading adoption here for probably another three years. Our framework has to be rewritten first. 
Sure. And so the people in our state now have existing curricula, which is state board approved for elementary. There is no um, state board uh, adoption for high school for secondary. They they have local control over what they what they select. But for elementary, it goes through a screening process here, and and you're encouraged to choose a, a curriculum from off of a list. You can you can choose something that's not on a list, but you have to go through kind of a process to do that. So at any rate, most of our schools are dealing with a curriculum that does not follow the science. It's a balanced literacy approach, which is a less systematic. Um, it's not to say it doesn't have foundational skills in it. It does, but it's not super systematic and explicit. It, it doesn't really, um, it, it's hard to kind of follow the sequence of it. And so, so what we have suggested for those who are in that boat is to supplement. And we'll talk about that in a second, but let's go back for a second to your question about what do you do about choosing a program if you're able to do that. Sure. So a lot of new programs are coming out stamped science of reading. So number one, be careful. <laughs> be careful. Just because it's stamped that it's based on the science of reading, I would say do some do some research. Form a committee. First of all, administrators should not choose the program alone because this the teachers are going to teach it. They got to like it. And we got to stop shoving curriculum down teachers' throats that they don't like. So <laughs> the first thing is I would say form a committee and you know of people who are interested in in looking at the curriculum and who know and who have the science of reading background mm -hmm. to really know how to make an informed decision and then i would look at the research behind several programs and i would talk to people i would ask the publisher tell me some districts who are using it and then i would go and talk to those people sure. and get what are the pros and cons of what you're using everything's got pros and cons nothing is perfect Right. And so talk to people about it and then ask for a publisher pilot. They will almost always say yes to let, allow you to do a small pilot, have some grade levels pilot different things. Um, if that's it's so worth the investment of time to do that, you know, even sure. for just a few weeks to learn the routines of how programs work to see, do, is this, are our kids responding? Are, how is it working? Sure. And you can do it in a summer school format if you don't want to mess up your curriculum during the school year. There's a lot of ways that you can get at it. But I would never just go off of publisher presentations because that can be, you know, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, it's complicated. Sure. And so you want to just really do your research and, and know what you're getting and make sure. The other thing is you're probably not going to find all the answers in one program. So that's going back to the idea of supplementals. So sure. what we have been talking to our, our schools about as they make this shift from balanced to structured literacy is, okay, so you have a core content or a core reading program. So what, what is the strength of that core program that you can use? And for most of us, they do the, the language comprehension <laughs> side of Scarborough's Row pretty well. Sure. They attend to vocabulary development and background knowledge and those kinds of things. Where it's, it's less effective is the word recognition side, those finite skills. And so we, we encourage them to look for supplementals that will help shore that up for you. Sure. Um, so some of our schools will have one program for phonemic awareness, one program for uh, phonics instruction, and then they'll use their core for more of the language comprehension side of the rope. And then they'll supplement with decodables, text to practice all the, the discrete skills and those kinds of things. And, and honestly, one of the districts here in California that is number one on the California Reading Report Card 
I'll give them a shout out, Bonita Unified. Uh, it's no secret in California. We, we work with Bonita Unified a lot. And if, for your listeners around the country who don't know, Google Bonita Unified in California because they are one of the few districts that have closed the gaps between their students of color and their white kids. Oh. And they have done that through a comprehensive approach. They use a variety of materials. They oh. use a phonics program, they use their core program, they use a fluency program, they use accelerated reader for fun reading and comprehension, they use a fluency. I mean, they, they, there is no one thing. They have looked at who's sitting in front of them and they have filled gaps by knowing what, having the background knowledge to make quality decisions. That's the key. I keep yeah. going back to that, but that's the key. In previous adoptions, we have, and I think back, did you, were you around in the reading first days? Did you yeah. have reading first? Okay. So Reading First was a very similar initiative to structured literacy, right? That program was very, er, 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 er. it was very scripted, but we didn't spend a lot of time in those days really teaching teachers about how the brain learns to read. They didn't have the background knowledge to hang it on. Mm -hmm. And it was just, here's a curriculum, you teach it, you know, follow the script, be on page 13 by Friday. Right. And that is not the most, <laughs> a teacher friendly way of teaching reading. It sort of took the teacher out of the equation. Like it was, the teacher said, it's teacher proof. They don't trust us. Mm. And so if you're gonna choose an effective reading program, number one, make sure your teachers have the knowledge to make a quality de decision. And if they don't have that knowledge, don't make the decision yet. Wait until you're sure you know what you're looking for because it's a waste of money. And then you can go through the, the procedures of, you know, forming a committee and doing the pilot and looking at other, you know, all of those things that are so important, but it's really um, a complicated process because mm -hmm. for most kids, you know, those programs, your supplementals and your core are going to hit it. You know, if you're doing a quality teaching job and you've got, you know, all the pieces in place, you know, they, the research says 90 to 95% of kids should get at least the word recognition uh, parts of the of the rope you know covered with that approach there's always going to be a few kids however that are going to need tier two or tier three intervention and that may require even another program because right. if they've already been through your tier one you're going to need something that approaches it a little differently for that kid mm -hmm. and these are, i'm talking about kids like students with disabilities and kids with dyslexia and you know other reading issues that may require something that's a little different than what the rest of the the group has gotten and has not worked for whatever reason um, based on that disability excuse me that disability so so anyhow, um, you know, that's that's all to say, it's a very long winded answer to say, you know, you, you really have to know what you're doing. You have to know sure. what you're looking for and what you're getting in those programs and then be willing to try some stuff and see, see, see what happens. So when we refer to equity, we're often talking about students, student equity. Sure. And which is, of course, you know, it's the thing. Yeah, what about teacher equity? Teachers have not had access to this information and it is not fair and it is not their fault. And so that's the thing that we come back to every time. This is not your fault. Right. And we're going to know better, do better. Absolutely. So those are the three things I would say. <laughs> well, I love that. And I would certainly invite any of our listeners to, to go to our website. We've got great information about the science of reading and Yay. we welcome anyone to go there um, for sure at um, 
learning without tears, uh, lwtears.com. So uh, I wanted to say thank you so much for just sharing your honesty and um, and your passion for this for this work. It's it's important and it's something that we need to do as we all make those shifts um, because at the end of the day, students benefit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they certainly do. And until we all feel the, the urgency of the issue and really rally around it, you know, we're going to have a lot of kids continuing to slip through the cracks and we don't want to do that. I'm so excited that it's spreading across the country. Yes. And that, you know, I feel like there's this huge movement and we're all sort of in it together. And, and so um, lots of work to be done, but lots of people to help get the work done. So definitely, yeah, it takes a village. It does. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. It. Thanks for having me.